Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for your daily drive, the podcast where I put my article content in audio format so that you can listen on the run. For those of you who are running, keep on running and listen well. I hope this is a benefit to you. As always, if you have any questions that you want to ask me and my team, this is what we do. We are an interactive ministry serving people globally. Ask your questions. You will need to fill out your username and password. It is free, the username, password, and ask your question. We don't charge for that. Our ministry is underwritten by those who support our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry, I would love for you to do that. I say it this way. If you have benefited, if you benefit from the work that we do, would you support us minimally at $5 a month? If you are a local church, would you take us on and support us monthly or annually? Whatever you can do will help us to do more. There is nothing in this world that is free. Somehow, some way, somebody is paying for it. Even the gospel that we receive freely cost a man his life. And so if you can support us, it would be fantastic. There's so much more that we could do, but we don't go in debt to do what we do. And so we we pay our bills every month, and that's just how it works. We have a team of folks that we also pay because they give their time, and it's valuable, and we want to pay them for serving you all. So if you could do that, that would be fantastic. In this podcast, I want to talk about something that's important to you, something that is important for every Christian, something that we all strive toward, and that is Christian maturity. Are you a mature Christian? How do you know? We all want to be mature. I mean, that's why we became Christians. Maybe maybe we didn't think about it that way or say it that way, but when we ask God to come into our lives and regenerate us so that we could be born again, we could be a new person. It's because we wanted to be a new person. We wanted to be different. We want to be different from the person that we were, and we wanted God to help us to evolve into a better person. It's called Christian maturity. Maybe you'd call it other names. That's fine, but we want to be made complete in Christ. And the question is, what is Christian maturity? How do you get there? What is the process? So, well, in this podcast, I have a mind map for you. A mind map is a visual presentation of a concept or an idea, and the concept that I'm presenting to you is the idea of Christian maturity. And the map is like a journey. If you think about going up the interstate in the United States, we have interstates, and there are mile markers all along the way. You're at mile 27 and mile 28, mile marker 29 and 30 and 31. This mind map lays out that way. And if you do have time, go on our website, rickthomas.net, look for this article, the title of it, and the podcast, Mind Mapping Christian Maturity. Are you mature? That's the title. And you will find this mind map, and you can print it off. In fact, if you are a discipler, I would encourage you to use this. It's a schematic that will help you to uh, not only assess yourself, but also those that you're serving. Let's say you're discipling an individual. How would you know when you've finished the process for them? Uh, 
I know a lot of people who listen to our podcast are biblical counselors. They do counseling, Christian counseling, vocationally. And so they have a short season with an individual. Let's say that you're discipling someone for three months or six months. How would you know when the process was over? What does comprehensive and completed discipleship look like practically? Well, that's what this mind map does. It gives you a step-by-step process that takes you through a full discipleship process. This mind map is part of a training exercise that I provide for the folks on our membership site. The concepts that I'm going to share with you do apply to every Christian. It doesn't matter who you are. If you have been born from above, if you are a believer, then I would appeal to you to read this article, study the mind map, assess yourself, and make whatever changes you need so you may continue the process of maturing in Christ. All Christians need help. I need help. You need help. None of us are. We haven't reached perfection yet. If you're not sure about that, ask someone who knows you well. Say, hey, do you think that I'm a perfect person? (laughs) The answer to that is no. And it's one of the reasons I don't prefer the word counselee. I never, I never refer to my counselees as counselees. They are my friends. They are my brothers, my sisters in Christ who come to me for help. And what do I do for them? I disciple them by teaching them what the Bible says about being like Christ. They may come through my door as a counselee, but my goal is to send them out the door as Christ-like disciple-makers. That's the biblical language, and that's my calling, to disciple people, to be be a disciple-maker, and it's yours too. The mind map will help you unpack the process to Christian maturity while envisioning you on how to sustain a life of Christian maturity. Now, before you begin, I I appeal to you to ask God to help you see where you need to change, grow, and serve, to serve others like Jesus did. Maybe you're at mile marker 29. Maybe you're at mile marker 43. We're all at a different place, and the mind map is a comprehensive look at Christian maturity from beginning to end. And so you'll be in a different place from, say, your spouse or your child or your parent or your close friend. Perhaps it would be better to read this article that I'm sharing with you with your spouse or a close friend, asking them to speak into your life according to this content. Will you do that? Would you take the time to ask your spouse or a close friend to help you as you walk through this? This would be a wonderful multi-evening process for a small group to go through. Each week you'd come together and, and just take parts of this mind map, take it apart, talk about it thoroughly. Let's get into it. And again, you can get the mind map in the article on the website. The starting point for all discipleship or the starting point for all counseling is the gospel. That is, that is the first mile marker. That is, that is, that's the starting blocks, the gospel. All discipleship begins with the gospel. Now, remember, I'm coming from a Christian worldview. 
I'm speaking to Christians about how to best glorify God as Christians. This is not a self-help uh, podcast, a self-help article. This is not a, a, a self-help book that is devoid of God. And there is only one starting point in my Christocentric presuppositional worldview, and that is the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ the promised Messiah from the Old Testament, who came to live among the Jewish nation 2,000 years ago. Eventually, Christ died on a cross according to the divine purposes of God to pay the debt for sin, my sin, your sin. He became a ransom for sin. No person can live out a sustained life of Christian maturity without coming to terms with the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the central figure of the Bible. He is the central figure of all of history. He is the person that we will bow to in heaven and in earth and under the earth. He is, well, I call it Christocentric. He is the center of it all. The only proper way to come to terms with him is by being regenerated by him. This necessity is what we call being born from above, being born again. And so it is imperative that I ask this question, are you born again? Have you been born again? It's what the Savior said in John 3, 7, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, I know sometimes we could probably answer this question just a little too quickly. Yes, I am a Christian, but I would like for you to give careful thought to that question. Has there been a moment in your life where you have engaged God more theologically? Has God engaged you? Has he, has he imposed himself on your life. I'm not asking you if you ask Jesus into your heart. I'm not asking you if you've gone down to the altar in some church building and, and asked God to come into your heart. I mean, maybe that's what you did, and that's, that's fine. But the, the real question is, has God regenerated you? If you're not born again, you will not be mature. It is impossible because the starting point to Christian maturity is the gospel, and Jesus Christ is the door through which we walk through as we head toward Christian maturity. Now, for the sake of argument and for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to say, I'm going to assume that you are born again, that God has regenerated you. You are a believer. You're a new person in Christ. You now move down this journey. The gospel is what defines you. You're born from above. If that is true, if you're born again, then the Holy Spirit has come to you and is living in you. He is guiding you and sustaining you throughout your life. You now have empowerment. You have been empowered by God himself. When you walk through the door of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and become born from above, you receive a comforter. You receive a friend. The Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and dwells with you. He who always wants to dwell with his people. In the book of Genesis, he dwelled with Adam 
and Eve. And then later in Exodus 25, verse 8, he built a tabernacle so that he could dwell with his people. In John chapter 1, he came and tabernacled among us. And then Jesus left and sent the Spirit of God so he could dwell with us. And after you're regenerated, the Spirit of God now dwells in you. You have power from on high. Now, the Spirit will do many things for you, like he will eliminate your mind to the Word of God. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God, but the Spirit of God will help you to understand his Word. And as you understand it, you will grow. Now, you can choose as a Christian to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit by living in sin. You can do that. You have the option to cooperate with God, to cooperate with the Spirit. And if you do cooperate with the Spirit, you will grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that you will be able to imitate him in your life. Remember, the goal is Christ-likeness. I I called it in the title of this podcast and the article Christian Maturity, but that's a synonym for Christ-likeness. And the Spirit of God is the one that helps you to become Christ-like. And so you don't want to grieve or quench the one who gives you the power to be mature or to be Christ-like. And so as we move down these mile markers through this mind map, step number one is the gospel. Jesus Christ, you must be born from above. Step number two, spirit pneumatic, pneumatology, the doctrine of the spirit, pneumatic cooperation, cooperating with the spirit of God. Number three are means of grace. A means of grace is analogous to a vehicle, an automobile, a truck a car, a van, a means of grace is analogous to a vehicle. It's a means that takes you from one place to another place. You get into your vehicle at, at this location and you drive to another location. The vehicle is the means that gets you from A to B. Now, God provides several gracious contexts or means that you can participate in so you can grow into Christian maturity. This is critical God provides several of these contexts. Now, most local churches offer various means of grace. Now, in my mind map here that you can look at, I've listed nine means of grace, and this is not an exhaustive listing of all the means of grace uh, that a local church provides. But let me list them, the ones I have here. These are nine vehicles that will take you from point A to point B. Point B is Christian maturity. Point A, let's say, is immaturity or the starting place as a Christian. And so you want to activate these means of grace in your life. One is various church meetings. You want to attend the meetings of your church. Now, churches do this differently. There's all sorts of meetings that they have. The primary meeting is the corporate meeting on Sunday morning, as we would imagine. Then some have Sunday evening, Wednesday night. Some have small groups. Then there's men groups, women's group, youth groups, uh, Sunday school, all kinds of meetings of the church, special events, so forth and so on. These meetings are a means of grace that will help you mature in Christ. Another means of grace is reading and studying your Bible. A third one is praying to God and praying with others. 
Number four, friends who speak into your life and you speak into their lives. This is a valuable means of grace that will help you to grow in Christian maturity. You may be surprised, I'm not sure, but could be surprised at how many Christians who do not have friends that speak into their lives or they're not speaking into their lives. Number five, memorization of Scripture. By the way, these aren't in any particular order. I just threw them against the wall and and laid them out for you here. But memorizing Scripture is so important because you want to know God and you want to know how to respond to Him. Six, discipling others, which is sharing what God is doing in you and for you. Seven, evangelism, which is you letting others know about Christ, the gospel. Number eight, serving, which is the default response for all Christians. Number nine, singing. That's another default response for all Christians who have been set free by Christ. Now, I've given you nine means of grace, and they are listed here in this article. If you want to slow things down and read at your own leisure, you're welcome to do that. But these means of grace will help you to do what I said earlier, to cooperate with the Spirit of God as He is working in you. You remember what Paul said in Philippians 2, you work out what God is working in you as a believer. It's important to note that these contexts are not passive contexts. They are contexts in which you engage God and others while being engaged by God and others. There's a reciprocality here. It's not okay to show up on Sunday morning at your local church meetings and expect that you're going to be mature in Christ. You will not. It doesn't work that way. I said in a podcast not so long ago that it's like the guy who shows up and says, nobody shook my hand at church today. And that's such a lame thing to say. If you sit back and expect people to do for you and and it's a passive exercise, whether it's attending a church meeting or any of these other means of grace, you're not mature in Christ. You need to go, do, engage. Christianity is not a passive experience. It is full-on engagement with God and with others. I have never counseled a person on an ongoing basis who is, who is actively participating in these contexts of grace. If they are cooperating with the Spirit of God at the level in which I'm communicating here, they have the means they need to change. And of course, sometimes people come to counseling because for various reasons, they're depressed, they're so discouraged and so despondent that they can't engage God and they need that encouragement. And a lot of times that's what counseling is about to come alongside them in a rehabilitation-type way, put them between the bars so that they can hold them, hold themselves up as they move, as they waddle along, as they stumble along until they can actually start walking and running and, and flying. Now, you'll note that I call these contexts, these means of grace, I call them acts of worship. They represent nine ways in which you can actively worship God by pursuing God and by pursuing others. And so here's a question for you to think about. Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit by actively participating in these means of grace? Maybe we come at it this way. What areas are you not engaging God and others in these contexts? Do you regularly invite your friends to speak into your life in a way that will change you? Some questions to think about. I have more questions listed here, but 
I'll not read those. You can read those if you want as you take time to study the article and the mind map yourself. But I don't want you to be fooled. To play church is to be stunted in your relationship with Christ and others. Playing church is to invite dysfunction. If you're not actively pursuing God and others through these means of grace, or maybe you've added your own here, which is fine, more than the nine that I have. If you're not doing that, I appeal to you to repent. Let God rule your life. Jump in. Cooperate with God. If you will do this, you will change. And your relationships will transform. Now, the tension in our souls is whether or not we will submit to God or whether we will exercise our will over the various situations in our lives. That's the tension. Am I going to submit and let God's will be done, or am I going to exercise my will? Did you know that when you refuse to walk in humility, which is allowing God to exercise his will over you, the most significant deterrent in your life is God Almighty himself. In James 4, 6, it's clear. It says God opposes the proud. If you do not allow God to exercise his will over you, you're being proud. But James 4, 6 also says God gives grace to the humble. If you submit yourself to the Lord and and let these means of grace wash over you and control you as you're engaging God and being engaged by God, that's humility. You have to ask yourself, which will it be? Are there areas of pride in your life? Are you still holding on to things that you do not want to release to the Lord, that you're not submitting, you're not doing? Many times the relational conflicts you experience between yourself and others are not because of others, but because God is the one resisting you. It's tempting to think your opponent is your spouse or your parent or your child or some other human when really your opponent is God opposing you because of pride. The person on the other end of the rope in this tug-of-war that you have going on is God himself. He opposes the proud. If you are proud, your main problem is with God, not with someone else. He is the resistance for the prideful person. But if you will humble yourself before God Almighty, something radical will begin to happen. He will give you empowering grace. He will not resist you, and only at that point can you change. Now, though these means of grace that I've listed here, or through these means of grace, these nine that I've listed, or perhaps other ones that you have thought of, God begins to affect you at the level of your heart. You start to change. You're doing these nine things. You're attending your church meetings. You're reading and studying the Bible. You're praying to God and with others. Friends are speaking into your life and you into their lives. You're memorizing scripture. You're discipling others. You're evangelizing. You're serving. You're singing. And through these means of grace, you are being affected. You start to change. The gospel is now actively alive in you and humility begins to replace your pride. Humility becomes the primary condition of your heart, which allows you to mature. You can't grow, you can't mature without humility, because God is giving you the grace to mature if you are humble. Humility is the fertile soil in which a person grows up in Christ. God gives grace to the humble. Now let's say that you've set the stage for God to engage your heart. You're pursuing humility 
while resisting pride. And God is working for you, not opposing you. The conditions are right for you to mature in Christ. Now, in the mind map, I've listed three elements that are in the process of Christian maturity. Here's how it goes. Step one, now, I'm assuming that the stage is set. You're pursuing humility. You're resisting pride. You're allowing God to engage you. You're in these means of grace that I've listed. Then there are three things that are going to happen in this sequential order. One, I want to change. Number two, I want to grow. Number three, I want to serve. You're going to change. And as you change, you're going to grow. As you grow, well, the outworking of that is you're going to serve. Now, let's take a look at these three component parts that are sitting on the fertile soil of your humility as you are engaging these means of grace. Now, this order is significant. You cannot improve. You cannot change. You cannot, you, you cannot improve until you transform. So the first order of business is to change, which is what the Bible calls repentance. And so you have to ask yourself the question, do you want to change? Or you could say, do you want to repent? It's pretty simple. That's how it works. There is no other way. If you want to change, you have to repent. To repent means to change from one way of thinking and behaving to another way of thinking and behaving. If you choose to change or if you choose to repent, guess what? You're going to grow. Change leads to growth. Does that make sense to you? Some theologians say the Christian life is a life of repentance and ongoing repenting. I like that. You, uh, the Christian life is ongoing repentance. You repent. You believe the gospel. God, God comes into your life. And now, in progressive sanctification, it's ongoing repenting. It's what I said at the beginning of this podcast. You're not perfect. And so after you become a believer, you repent, then it's ongoing repenting. You're incremental changes for the rest of your life. Now, this truth should be good news for the believer the good news is you can change. The unbeliever can't do what you can do. You can transform because of the gospel. You have the power of Christ working in you. Repentance is not a discouraging concept for the believer. It is the door through which you walk to grow in Christ. Sometimes the word repentance has gotten a bad rap, and that should never be. It is the Christian's primary weapon when it comes to changing. So, first, change. Second, grow. Are you repenting daily to God and to others? If so, guess what? You're going to grow. You're going to mature in Christ. You have no other option. This is math. This is logic. The repenting Christian is a changing, growing, maturing Christian. And what do you want to mature into so that you know that you are there? Where there's only one option, one goal, one person to become. You become like Christ. That's what you grow into. That's what repentance permits you to do. If you're daily living out repentance in your life, Jesus Christ will begin to take shape in you. If you continue to walk out repentance, he will not only take form in you, but you will start to act like him. You will become Christ-like. And then as you grow something's going to happen to you. This is where we're getting to Christian maturity. You know you're Christ-like when the first default of your heart is to serve others. In Mark 10:45, Jesus said, I did not come here to be served, but to serve. There is a unique quality about Jesus. He was not about himself. He was all about others, particularly his Father and us. 
He always came to do the will of the Father. He always came to serve us. He died for us. He could, he could not have made this more evident when he said in Matthew 22 that the two great commandments is to love God and to love others more than yourself. These two verses in Matthew 22, the verses are in 36 through 40, They were Jesus' job description while he was on earth. It is the litmus test that reveals a true understanding and application of the gospel in a person's life. The two great commandments, this is the way I tell it to my children, biblical success is in four words, love God, love others. This ideal is the absolute height of Christian maturity. If you're living for God and others more than anything else, you've hit the Jesus zone and the grace of God. These means of grace are empowering you for the glory of God and the benefit of others. If your desire is still more about you rather than God and others, maybe you need to go back at the beginning of this mind map, mile marker number one. Go back to the gospel and see what it is that you do not understand or, and or are unwilling to apply to your life. If you are stuck at any point in this process, then I appeal to you to get some help. God has provided you with everything that you need for life and godliness. If you are actively pursuing God and others in the various means of grace available for you, and you're actively living out repentance before God and others, then there should be nothing to hinder you from becoming a mature Christian. Now, there's more in this article that I didn't share with you. I have a lot of questions, and at the end, I have a practical homework assignment, 12 different things I want you to think about. I would encourage you to go to this article and to read it. If you have questions about it or about the mind map, please ask. The title of the podcast and the article is Mind Mapping, Christian Maturity. The question is, are you mature? Thanks so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.